Hello everyone and thank you for joining us for yet another session of our Speculate special event on this channel, Girl by Moonlight Fractal Spire. I'm very excited to get into more uh, dream shenanigans with you all. I have been waiting for this particular session for quite some time, so I am very excited to get into some shenanigans. Our strange friends are waiting in the wings for us to continue engaging in some lovely Girl by Moonlight play. I hope that you all are having a wonderful weekend. So yes, thank you so very much for joining us for yet another session of Girl by Moonlight Fractal Spire. I hope that you are as eager to see us get into some trouble as we are to get into that trouble. A reminder that Girl by Moonlight Fractal Spire, our Speculate Actual Play series taking place on this channel, is sponsored by Evil Hat Productions, who will be the upcoming producers of Girl by Moonlight, uh, designed by Andrew Gillis. Please check out all of the stuff that Evil Hat makes and does. Evil Hat makes some very good content all the time. And keep your eyes peeled for Girl by Moonlight when it is finally available for your perusal because it is really dope. I wish I could show y'all what it looks like when we are looking at sheets and stuff. It is a beautiful game on a visual level, so definitely keep your keep your eye out for that uh, when it comes out because it is very cool. Hello everyone. Hello, Hello strange, strange friends. Strange friends. <laughs> that happened the one time and I'm always going to make it happen every other time since. Thank you so very much. I am very excited to do some dream stuff with you all. But before we get into the game, I should ask all of you to please introduce yourselves to all of the lovely people in chat. So please let everyone know who you are, what you do, and who you will be playing this evening, starting with Mike. Hello, everybody. My name is Michael R. Underwood. Uh, you can call me Mike. He, him pronouns for me. I am one of the co-hosts of this wonderful show, Speculate, along with Brandon and Gregory A. Wilson, a.k.a. Arv, the host of this channel overall. I write science fiction and fantasy. There's lots of adventures and cool people and found families. You should check out Annihilation Aria, and then after you read it, you should read books by Valerie. Nice. Thank you. Next, Valerie. Hello, I'm Valerie Valdez. I am the author of Chilling Effect, Prime Deceptions, and the forthcoming Fault Tolerance, all excellent found family space opera stories that you should read before and or after you read Mike's stories, which are also amazing. Uh, you can find me here. You can find me on my Twitch channel, The Kids Are Asleep, which is when I play video games for fun. My God, I never get fun otherwise. Wait a minute, I'm here to have fun too. This is so <laughs> I was good. about to say, Valerie. No, I was doing a dramatic thing. It's all good. Very good drama. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I am playing Nina, who's currently in a hole. I hope somebody comes to get me out. Oh lord, we're gonna get to that hole in a minute. Next, Yoi. Hello, hello, Yoi going Lin. He, they pronouns for me. I am a game and fiction writer, and today I am playing a very angry person known as Vermilion Dingway Ruth of the Outsider Playbook. Ruth is currently not in a hole. But I guess if we're gonna rescue Nita, he will soon be in a hole, and perhaps a pickle as well. Oh, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> oh lord. Last but not least, Yori. Kusano Yori Clarion was class of 2017, they them pronouns. My debut novella, Hybrid Heart, will be out from Neon Hemlock la next year. And whenever we have a pre-order link for that, I will spam the hell out of you. But for now, today I am here to play Cat Holly, the time traveler who uses she/her pronouns 
and will hopefully contribute to getting Nina out of this hole. Indeed. As for me, I am Brandon O'Brien. Pronouns he, him, or they, them. I will be your stage manager for this evening. I am one of the co-hosts of the podcast Speculate, alongside Michael R. Underwood and Gregory Wilson. And I make games, write poetry, do all kinds of things. And today, the thing that I'm going to do is cause problems on purpose for all of these four people. So, where we left off in our last session was, after having a terrible day at work and meeting up with his friends to re- to have a moment of respite after having the worst day at work, Ruth was invited to go to a fight and went to a fight and the fight was weird and strange the entire time because their good friend, Dice Calendrine, was... not his good friend. Good friend. Good friend, yes. <laughs> uh, in scare quotes. Not only challenged Ruth to a fight, but was very weird and very awkwardly hinting towards a thing the entire time that Ruth didn't really get any clear sense of before having to leave the abandoned warehouse where this unsanctioned cage match was taking place because the police were there. Um, after fleeing and returning home and everyone getting a awkward night's rest, everyone woke up in a strange dream or at least Vic and Nina had a particularly weird dream, the ending of which is both of them briefly saw one of their close comrades before Nina discovered that she was trapped in a hole. So, let's talk about that hole. Nina, I would like you to describe for me the worst day that you've ever had at work so far. Oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier, aren't I? All right, cool. That's real world work. Oh my God, please. Oh, no, no. Yeah, no. I'm I'm just going to modify it for Nina purposes. All right. So let's Mm -hmm. see. Nina has always been working, it feels like. Always. Just every possible terrible dead-end job that anyone could have, Nina has had. And so... Probably, oh wait, is, is this going to be too gross? Maybe I shouldn't do this. You are entitled in this moment to be as vague yet colorful as possible. I trust right. you. I will try to be vague about it then. At one point, Nina worked in a movie theater. And the worst day of her life in this movie theater, multiple terrible things happened. Not only did she have to clean up after thousands of children leaving their messes all over the floor because a giant children's movie had been released, not only did she have to clean the bathroom that was the apocalypse, including fishing things out of toilets that don't go in toilets, but then the soda fountain got clogged, and the only way to unclog the soda fountain involves the application of Nina's breath to the tube leading to the drain. It was truly the most horrifying experience of her life. And for the rest of that shift, she smelled vaguely of flat soda because they wouldn't let her change. Ugh, this... This sucks. This, oh my god. Oh lord. One of the things that we're learning the most during this game is how terrible it is to be an adult with a job. I'm so sorry. Nina, very briefly, mere moments ago, you were 
looking what seemed to be ahead at like this open darkness where there's just this one warm light a ways away from you where you had just briefly run into your old friend uh euphony the the form of euphony before all of this the 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 euphony that you had met before you discovered that you were a dream knight before you knew all of this weirdness was real and after briefly interacting with that moment of like warmth and brief comfort but also a kind of weird trepidation that you couldn't place your finger on in that moment you discover that instead you were actually looking up the entire time and when you get a hold of your senses you realize that you are physically in a hole there is light above you swarm kind of street lamp light that is not like directly above you but you can see that it is somewhere nearby and you can feel the edges of this hole like cold sharp stone and after a moment trying to like figure out what you're feeling and trying to see if you can probably even get out of this thing you notice that the walls that were once dry are now very slowly feeling wet to the touch you hear something in the background but you can't really make sense of what that thing is it sounds like it is taking place all around you but it also sounds like it's taking place very very far away if you'd like to make more sense of that sound you can roll all right i will roll let's see i feel like perceive and i have no dots in perceive so let's do this oh lord yeah your position is desperate and your effect is limited Right. Uh, you will roll two dice and you will take the lesser mm. result. That's a one and a five. Okay. A one and a five is not good. Yikes. The, the sound is very peculiarly more intense and less difficult to make any sense of. You are feeling now overwhelmed by the fact that this is the only sound that you are actually hearing other than like the sound of your own blood in your own head as you are in this very small tight hole it feels like you're being like overwhelmed by this sound how does that make you feel in this moment definitely very nervous and anxious because if she's touched the walls now and notice not only are they sh- wet but they are sharp then she knows she can't get out of this hole and she's concerned about what could be causing more moisture to be coming through and where is she and what is going on. So she has a lot of just very intense fear and confusion right now. Okay. As you are attempting to channel that fear and confusion, I would like you to give me a one die fortune roll. To see how well that is channeled. That is a five. Okay, cool. You're maintaining some level of composure. Which allows you... The brief kind of reminder. Dreams are very powerful. Dreams are a very powerful space. Often it becomes a mental kind of effort to remind yourself that you are presently in a dream. And in this moment, as you're feeling this kind of pressure, like... Right this is a dream it still sucks 
It still is going to have consequences, but it's a dream. I have some level of control over how I can engage with this. I just need to find out how. In the midst of that awareness, I would like you to give me a role for attempting to exert that kind of control on the dream. I feel like that's probably a defy role, and I also have no dots in that, so let's see what happens. Wow, no dots in defy? No dots, dice empty. This is how, this is how we go. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. um, well, alright, so I would like you to give me a defy role. Your position is desperate. Your effect is limited. It's a six and a five, so I got a five on that one. Nice! Five <laughs> is good. In this hole, you are managing to, like, regain some level of composure. You are getting a better sense of your surroundings in this moment. You are realizing some things very briefly, or at least trying to calmly gain as much information as possible. And there is a brief moment when you, like, turn just slightly in this hole. And visually, you are no longer in the hole. It's doing this very weird, obviously dreamlike thing, where you are ob- you are obviously aware that there is a boundary around you, and you're like, that must still be the hole. I've been in situations like this before. But you can now see around you, and the space that you are in doesn't presently visually have that hole around you. You notice two things almost immediately, which is, there is a small pool of liquid that is filling up to just about your ankles at the moment. And when you look down to see it, it is the amalgam of five or six different colors and flavors of soda. You could just look at it and know it's flat and sticky and... Both very sweet and very stale. But you notice that you're sitting in it. Like, it's up to your ankles, but you're no longer standing where you were. You are seated. And then you notice, oh, I recognize this chair. I recognize this desk. That's when you notice that you're at the office at the moment. I would like you to give me one more roll. To make sense of your immediate surroundings. All right. I feel like that is probably, unfortunately, also a perceived role, and I still have no dots in that, so... Okay. Here we go. Desperate limited. All right, that is a four and a six, so four is what I've rolled on that. Mark your desperate XP. Yes, you've, you've, you've garnered quite a bit at this moment. Okay. So this is enough for you. Ah, yeah, this is more than enough. A four. You look up at the clock, because that's one of the first things that, like, there's a very loud clock hanging over the door of the boss's office in this large cubicled space. For the intense psychological reason of reminding everybody that this is how many hours you have until I will allow you to leave... So, like, it makes this weird chiming noise every hour. And that's what draws your attention to it and makes you realize that it is 6 a.m. And you're not supposed to be in the office this early. 
So this is already kind of weird. Uh, but you also notice that you are presently the only person in this space at the moment. And then you start to hear ticking from very far away. In addition to the what you have now begun to discover is the soft trickling sound of liquid. It is mildly possible that that trickling noise is more soda pooling around you. <laughs> the ticking sound starts getting louder, and that's when you notice like very large versions of like those small wind-up robot toys from however long ago. Those existed before I did. But you see like two or three of them emerge from a nearby corridor. And they have what look like large round stickers of the faces of your co-workers. And they all wave at you. Hi, Nina. Hi, Nina. Hi, Nina. The stickers' mouths move as if they're, that's their actual faces. But you can see that it's just, like, plastered onto this thing. And they're, like, buzzing around in the office. Like, it seems like they are very busy doing very little. But they're moving very eagerly and very energetically. A couple more of your co-workers file into this space. You can acutely notice that the soda is up to your knees now. One, another wind-up robot emerges from the entrance to this cubicle space with two large white bags that look like heavy with stuff. You recognize those bags because they're from your delivery job. Oh no. And this person, like, rushes over to you, like, kind of rolls to your desk places the, these two large heavy bags they're like tall enough to like literally obscure the height of this person if they held it right in front of them and they rest it on your desk and you hear your desk creak a little bit and they're like whenever you're done with this maybe you can take care of these as well it's very important that you do you know why it's important don't you and they're looking at you very insistently uh why? Because if you don't do your best work possible, and then all of the uh, robots in the room turn very suddenly to face you, and you hear like this like jagged kind of pinging sound in their neck, like all of their springs have just gotten very, very taut, and all of them say all at once, We all die of starvation! Oh no! And in that like moment of tension... Like that moment of intense emotional overwhelm. You notice that the sight of the room that you're seeing is like flickering now. Like you are now returning like very briefly to the hole that you're in. And then you're in this room again. And then the hole again. As if you are watching a game that is glitching out. What do you do in response to this, like, experience? <sighs> so I feel like I have a sort of low-key awareness that this is a dream. And so at this point, I think that I am going to... It's easy to say she would defy, but I don't think she would. Would anyone have taught her any kind of, like, means of dealing with a situation like this in the dream at this point? Because we're in season two. Like, maybe, maybe this is a time for, like, a flashback or something. 
I know how we're getting to this point because I do think that a flashback is in order, but now we have to discover how we get there. So I would like you to give me a resistance roll. And so I would be probably using sun for this, right? Moon is despair and heartbreak. Stars is panic and social pressure. So, yeah. Right, yes. So it would then be stars, yes. (laughs) I have no dots. It's fine. No, this is exciting. It makes it more fun. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Oh, oh no. (laughs) No springs. Uh, I have so much stress right now. This is going to be really exciting one way or the other. (laughs) I am sure it will be. Oh, my God. You can use social links to reduce stress. Okay. Yes, you can also do that. I do have social links right now. I do. And so I may have to. (laughs) I'll be like, what would Ruth do? He would no, don't do what Ruth would do. We already would we have already punch it. <laughs> and, then, and then Nina punches a robot. And so <laughs> Wait a minute, that sounds amazing. Well, I, that's what I do. That's literally what I do. <laughs> Hold on, I need to roll though. <laughs> okay, so I correct me if I am wrong, Mike, but you will still be rolling 2d6 and we will be taking the worst of those results. Uh, if Nina has no actions yeah. in Moon, then yes. Uh, in stars, in stars. So. Uh, sorry, stars. Yeah. Pa- this is panic and, or social pressure. Uh, although I feel like it could be sun, though, vi- violence or fear, because this is a fear, a fear state right now, I would think. Uh, nah, it's, it's, it's panic. panic, yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. The roll is incoming. Dun, dun, dun. Level six! Wow. Wow. Whoa. What would Ruth do works every time. Oh, so a, Nina it, punches a robot and then Nina's like, ow, though. Why did I do that? Okay. I Beautiful. wish that, that was a real crit so that Nina could get stress back. Yeah, so do I. It really is just a six, but it means that you take no stress. Woohoo! This is the greatest moment of my life. Oh my god, this is this is this is good story. I love this. Because what happens is you are like you like in that moment, like when all of these robots turn to you, like just before it starts it starts glitching out even, you are about to freak out. And then you remember again. This is just a dream. This is something I have control over. I have been given resources that allow me to deal with the thing. And then, do you remember something that Euphony taught you in one of, like, your first trips through the dream? Because, like, the dream was starting to break apart and you were losing awareness of where you were. And they gave you, like, something that you can practice that will allow you to, like, gain more control in that moment. What did they teach you? I think that Euphony taught me to focus on myself, which is not a thing that I'm accustomed to doing. Nina is the kind who sort of low-key dissociates in that, like, it's a, a means of keeping herself invisible, is that if she doesn't pay attention to her own body, it's as if she doesn't have one. And so I think that Euphony, to the contrary, was like, no, no, you need to think about your body. So, like, start at your head 
and focus yourself all the way down to your feet, basically, and just feel every single part of yourself and tell yourself, I feel my head, I feel my eyes, I feel my mouth, I feel my neck, I feel, and, and just like feel your body from top to bottom. I would like you to give me a perceive rule. Your position is desperate, your effect is limited, but you get plus one die. Okay, I have no dots in perceive, so. So you will roll mm-hmm. one die. It's a six. <laughs> nice. Oh, finally, um, the dice love me for a second. You don't close your eyes because you know that you still need some level of visual awareness in this space. But you pause and take a breath and start focusing on your physical sensations. And you notice that as you are like working down from your head to your neck and further... That all of these sensations that you know are coming from the office are being manufactured in this moment. Like, they're softer, they're not as solid as other dream experiences that you have had. As you come lower down into your body, you notice that the soda is unfortunately still there, and the hole is unfortunately still there. But you're having this realization at the same time as you are seeing the office. And that like starts to, that visual, that vision starts to stabilize and you realize that the office is still there and those wind up robot toys are still staring at you expectantly. And that's when you notice out of the corner of your eye, there is someone else in this room. There is someone else in this room. Not a, not a robot, not a colleague. I've never met this person before. You see this well-built, very strong-looking individual in a Prussian military uniform walk past you to the right and enter your boss's office. You are immediately stricken with, I need to figure out what that is, because that's usually where dream shenanigans begin. But that's when you notice that you're still in the hole and you can't leave the hole. So you just see this person enter the office. But even though that office has large glass windows on either side of that door, when they walk past the door, when they close the door behind them, you never see them again. The office still looks very empty. And as you have that realization, we're going to cut to Vic. Vic, it is the middle of the night. You just woke up from the weirdest dream. And as protocol dictates, the very next thing that you did was message all of your friends. Cat checked in first. Cat is awake. Cat did not have the weird dream. Next, Ruth checked in. Is awake. Did not have the weird dream. It's been 16 minutes. So here's where we will probably need to clarify some of the mechanics of what it looks like when this team goes into a dream together. Mm-hmm. Like, do we have to get into the same place? Do we like use like sense memory anchors? Like would each member of the team have some small artifact that's associated with the others that would uh, let us do kind of like dream navigation, like a dream navigation compass kind of thing. Because uh, that's where my head is in terms of what Vic would be planning to do. Mm-hmm. So, 
Dream Navigation Compass is a very good analogy for the thing. So, one of the easiest way for a one of the easiest ways for a dream knight to enter another person's dream is to enter that person's physical space while they're sleeping and then walk into a reflective surface. So that often means that in weird dire straits often you need to break into someone's house and walk into their bedroom mirror. But uh, specifically because y'all have been targeted by agents of certain dreamscapes before, Euphony gave y'all a tool a long time ago, which was they asked you very early in the induction process to buy a mirror for yourself and leave it in your bedroom for one night. And then the uh, other night after that happened, Euphony came to all of your houses with a hammer broke all of your mirrors and took the very largest shards and give each of you a shard from someone else. So there is like this small kind of like jagged mini shrine of just like pure glass in your bedroom that allows you at any moment in time to just enter any one of your friend's dreams. And conveniently enough, it can often confirm whether someone is presently in a dream and whether that is a dream or a nightmare, but only after you have already verified it with everyone else. So after you made that phone call, you looked at that, like these like large jagged pieces of glass and you noticed that the one that you had just placed carved a like rough letter N under in the bedside table where it presently resides is glowing black like tendrils of black smoke are now like very softly emanating from that glass and you know that if you touch it you will immediately enter that dream cat and ruth you notice the exact same thing but much less clearly than victor's like you notice that something is definitely amiss with that piece of glass in your own rooms And you notice that that is clearly a sign of nightmare energy, but it doesn't seem like as intense as it seems for Vic. So will you all enter the dream? Let's go. Let's roll. Okay. Mm -hmm. As each of you touch your your shards of glass, you, as usual, feel the strange sensation of getting very, very tired. And your eyes, your eyelids feel heavy and you feel them closing. And at the exact moment when you fight the urge for your eyes to close, to close, you are in Nina's office. Which of you have been in this building during work hours before? Definitely not Ruth, I don't think. Kat's been there once, like dropping off takeaway for Nina because she was getting something when she was on the way to work and then saw, oh, they have the cookie Nina likes. I'm going to get that for her and just drop it in. I would like each of you to give me a perceive roll, but Cat gets plus one. Your position is desperate, but your effect is standard. Do I have dots and perceive? I don't have dots and perceive. <laughs> well, you have one. You have one die now. Vic, you were about to ask a thing. 
Yeah, so I have Watchful, which says when you gather information info to anticipate possible threats in the current situation, you have plus one effect level. That applies here, right? Yes, so that puts you up to great. Risky great? Yeah. Cool. In fact, I would like, Vic, I would like you to roll first. I have one in Perceive. I would love to roll two here with great effect, so I'm deciding whether I want to push or... Is there a poison promise that might be available for such a thing? And getting getting myself or others into trouble. There is a poison promise, which is the poison promise that I will most likely invoke regularly often whenever you enter the dream. You are... And I'm giving you this information in-universe because this is a thing that Vic knows. Previously, when interacting with the last agents of the dream that you interacted with, you notice that every once in a while there are dream alarms that trigger whenever someone willingly enters the dream. As a result, you have all worked very hard to, as often as possible, try to be as cautious as possible whenever entering the dream to the point where it becomes commonplace for you all. But every once in a while, you let your guard, you let your guard down and you slip up. And if you accept this poison promise, there will be a four clock on agents of the dream detecting that you are here. Just the clock or four o'clock? Just the clock. It doesn't tick. You will just become aware that there is an alarm. And then from that point onward, I will have to ask you to be extra careful whenever engaging with the dream uh, Uh, or else it will tick. Yeah. How do we feel about that, folks? I'm down. A reminder that when you are in the dreamscape while untranscended, all of your actions are uh, risky at best. I think Ruth would not want for that to happen, but also Vic not doing the thing Ruth wants would be very uh, <laughs> their relationship, I think. Okay. Even though they're um, rivals. So yeah, I think I'll take it. And maybe what this looks like is Vic kind of like walks into the room from the edge of the frame as like we, the audience, see it. The shot is replaced by another angle where Vic walks in from another room and basically they are like popping around the room by slipping just out of perception and back in to be able to get a broader view. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to roll perceive plus 1d. So that's going to be roll 2d6. Um, I'm going to write mom dice. Two and a six. Good thing I took that promise. Good lord. Nice. So, I have information for you, but I want everybody else to roll as well. So, next, cat. Also rolling with Risky Great? You're desperate standard. Four and a five. And I am marking my desperate. Okay, also good. Alright, you said you had no... You said you had no dice and I gave you plus one D. So you Mm -hmm. should actually just be rolling one D6 for me. And that's the... That is a five. Right, good, cool. And now, Ruth, please also give me a procedural desperate standard. Ruth does have um, reckless as an ability. When you make a desperate roll, you may choose to get plus one D for the roll. If you also take minus one D to any resistance rolls against consequences for your actions. But I don't think him looking around at the dream right now is something that he perceives as a desperate action that he is actively pushing uh, for, so I don't think I'm going to be using that ability for this role. Okay, so I'll just fair be enough. So I'll 2d6. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm taking the lower. 
That's a one and a two. Mm, noted. Ruth, you're in an office building that you've never been in before, and you notice that like the, the one thing that you can kind of clearly wrap your head around in this moment as you enter this dream while still like being dazed from sleepiness, etc., is that Nina is here seated and what lo- looks like a small puddle of brown liquid. Do I see the others? Are we all in the same space? Uh yes, you're all in the same space. You are you are vaguely aware in the periphery that Kat is to your left. And you don't immediately uh, see Vic uh, yet. Cat, you notice most of the room kind of clearly. You see all these goddamn robots are still staring at Nina. One of the first things that you notice when you notice Nina is that the liquid that is pooled around Nina's legs isn't moving. It's just like rising upward in a circle and you have no idea what that means at the moment but it strikes you as very weird and very bad you notice that not only are there wind up uh, robot toys in this room but you can hear others in other rooms and other than that like the space just looks mostly like non-threatening in the immediate moment, which is usually a bad sign uh, for you, because it means that when you open the next door, that's when a threat is going to occur. Vic, you do your brief survey of the entire space, uh, walking in and out of rooms. Uh, in, like, very Scooby-Doo energy, you walk into a room to the left, and you re-emerge in a room from the right. You can open every door except the boss's room door at that moment. Like, the the door right under the clock. But the thing that you do gather very suddenly is... You know that this office space is in the Port Cloud mirror door. You know that it's several floors up, but not, like... The building is very big, but it's not that big, you don't imagine. But one of the very first things that you notice as you emerge into and out of doors that have, or rooms that have outward-facing windows, that you are looking into what should be the sky right under the clouds, but you are looking out over the stratosphere at this point. And that's like, ooh, that's dream shit! I don't know how I feel about that. That's kind of weird. You notice that the when you try to hold the handle of the door right underneath the clock, you notice that the knob changes shape very briefly whenever you put your hand on it and then stops changing shape whenever you're not touching it anymore. As if to imply that someone has magically affected the image of that door so that you think that it's supposed to be opening a certain way, but you you probably need something that you'll need to discover in order to open that room. And, yeah, you get a very good sense of the space. You are aware that it is presently potentially alarmed, if not booby-trapped. You know that any wrong move in this space can potentially lead to alerting... Uh, minor agents of the dream who will probably come to attack you or subdue you immediately, which is a thing that you know would be bad, because if you are defeated in the dream by an agent of the dream, it, you, it probably means that you're never going to wake up again, and that would suck. Uh, is there any information in particular that you'd like to know as well? Where is Nina? It's kind of at the top of my list. Nina is uh, seated at her desk. 
you are acutely aware that what everyone else is like still trying to make sense of around Nina is like it strikes you very immediately as oh that's the hole that I was in and like it gives you like the it reminds you very suddenly that when you were in that dream earlier you were there with Nina so this is probably a byproduct of that you are also the only person that can hear Nina speak so Vic kind of having done the the survey and kind of interacted with the door turns to turns to Nina and kind of walks up as close as like dream logic will allow and trying to talk in a calm but warm voice uh, and saying, Nina, we're here. Everybody's here. It's going to be all right. Just focus on my voice and we're going to get out of here. Okay. Okay. But somebody went into my boss's office. Somebody normal? Somebody? No, they were wearing a weird uniform and they are not supposed to be here. I couldn't see them once they went inside. Okay. Um, can you get up? Are you stuck? I am super stuck and it sucks. Okay. And then, like, Vic kind of moves around to be in front so that, like, Nina can uh, can see. Then, like, we'll look over to the others and say, we probably need, we need to get her out before we can do anything else, right? And here is where Vic, I'm flagging that Vic is breaking Deed's honor code. So Deed, uh, who is uh, Vic's avatar, is very hardcore, and the honor-bound move on the Guardian sheet says, uh, your code forbids all but one of the following, and the one that is not forbidden is violence. Asking for help is forbidden. But Vic kind of straightens and kind of gestures to, uh, to Kat and Ruth. Give me a hand. We need to get her out of this. Kat goes immediately. Ruth is moving before Vic has even finished the sentence. Brandon, can you tell me what's on some of the other desks in the area? I would like you to give me a perceive roll. Oh no. <laughs> Risky standard. Oof! <laughs> That's um, one in a three. <laughs> oh lord. You do not notice anything particularly useful. You notice like lots of pens, lots of pieces of paper. It strikes you that there is nothing particularly of use, of value to your particular goal in this moment that will help you, like, get Nina out of this hole. Also, Vic, just idly, I would like to let you know that the moment you did that, you heard someone curse under their breath, and you know that only you can hear it. Vic, I would like you to also give me a perceived role. Is this another place where my increased effect will apply? Yes, it would. Um, okay. So you are rolling desperate great. With um, that effect, could I slide it back to risky standard? In, yeah, you can. Like, basically, knowing enough of, of threats to be able to like take it a little bit more careful? Mm-hmm. Roll 1d6. Four. It strikes you in this moment... Dream logic dictates that sometimes when you open a closed space, sometimes you will discover things that are not actually like beholden to that space in the real world. Because in the dream, sometimes things will just be populated by things because they're supposed to be populated by them. So you take the somewhat very ridiculous risk that maybe if I just open one of these desk drawers, I'll find something that's not supposed to be in an office space. And you do that enough times where you find 
a very small hammer, like a hammer that is too small for you to wrap your entire hand around uh, its handle. Like it's like it can fit almost into your entire palm. And you also find in one drawer you find a machete, and in another drawer you find a cinder block. Vic, Vic will uh, bring the three over to uh, the desk next to Nina's and say, "Arm up!" And then, do like, do we want to like all try to like grab Nina and pull her out of the soda? Like, what are we thinking? I'd like to say that when Ruth appeared in the dream, because their whole thing of appearing in dreams is that they just show up suddenly in the spot where you didn't expect them to and where you weren't looking. So it's like that very classic camera pan over here. Oh, there's nothing there. Pan back. Oh, there's Ruth. Like that's how he shows up. So I think when he first appeared in the dream, the first thing he would have done is either like snap his fingers in front of Nina's face and not touching Nina because he has a thing about that, um, but try to drag the chair. So he would have had some inkling of what can or cannot be done with that space. So, Brandon, I suppose, what would those actions have resulted in? Oh, you still have no dots in perceive. If I'm not, uh, no, right. Give me a perceive. Oh Lord, give me a perceive roll. Desperate standard. Desperate standard. That's a three and a five. Okay, cool. You only now notice a thing that Vic already knows, which is you can see the height of whatever this thing around Nina's body is. And you know that it's actually like meeting you at the top of your head this thing is particularly very high but like beyond that point it looks like there is nothing above that like you can't tell if it's sealed at the top or if it's open at the top but you know that it rises up to a certain point so if it if you were to t- try to drag Nina out you'd have to like get up on a desk and hope that you can like leverage all of that but other than that i would have to like interact with the boundary of the thing itself also i will give you this almost for free exact and in fact as you like briefly try to strain to realize this thing you realize that you're hearing what sounds like music from somewhere very very nearby um music that i hate it's mus- it, it sounds like someone is singing, but you can't really make it, up, make it out because it sounds very, very muffled. You can't tell whether it's something that you hate one way or the other because you can't really make it out at the moment. Mm-hmm. But you know that and no one else knows it yet. Uh, so yeah, Vic, I will also give you this. As you start like getting a better sense of the space, you realize even though it is very, very like like very faint, like a very small trickle, almost like it's not moving at all, you notice that the brown liquid that Nina is sitting in is actually kind of leaking out from one side. That may be potentially a place that you can leverage to at least get at least get the liquid out, if not potentially break this entire wall. Nina, I would like you to give me a one-die fortune roll. Okay, here we go. <laughs> That's a one. As per dream logic, you didn't notice it because you weren't thinking about it at the time. And then when you start thinking about it again, the liquid is now 
like Shastite. Oh no. It feels very sticky and very gooey and very oh, gross. Oh no. Yeah. You can smell more of it now. And like, it is very like emotionally triggering, I imagine. The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band The Road. Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com. Hi, everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvaneleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.